0: You're listening to Illini Life Audio, messages from a community of Christian believers on the campus of University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. For more audio and video content, visit illinilife.org. Not that one, or that one, or that one. (laughs) Or if there's any other Johns, we're not directly talking about you. We are talking about the Gospel of John, but we're not really talking about the Gospel of John. We're talking about who Jesus is. This is about understanding who Jesus is, and and that's really the main point. And, And we're going to hear Jesus calling us to follow him, calling you to follow him, calling me to follow him. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump in. God, thank you for giving us your word, for sending your son to speak truth into our lives that persist across the millennia. Lord, thank you for calling us to follow you, for giving us the ability to believe in you, for giving us new life and life eternal. Lord, thank you for this church, for this city and this country that we can uh, peacefully Uh, learn about you and proclaim your name. I pray for the message this morning that it would open our ears to hear and that we would respond to your call. Lord, thank you for this time and for everyone here. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So first, I'd like to give you an overview of the book. Ah, here it is. And you shouldn't be able to read it. That's okay. Uh, But what we're going to start with is we're going to talk about the blind man, which is in chapter nine, and he can see, and that sets the context. And the passage that we're diving into today, verses one through twenty-one uh, of chapter ten, they're they're bookended by uh, interactions with the Pharisees. And as we'll see, this story and this response uh, comes on the tales of this. And then and then we have this break. Uh, verse twenty-two uh, is fast forward in time to another feast. And so there's two feasts. Uh, There's a a Feast of the Tabernacles, uh, and then there's the Feast of Dedication. There's about three months between them. So sometime between that, this episode happened, um, just to kind of place it. And so we start with a blind man who can see, and then Jesus uh, explains that by talking about sheep. uh, And then that doesn't resonate with people directly, so he explains it again, um, and it adds to it and then he connects it with this global perspective of the church, and then we get back to the Pharisees. Um, so who is Jesus talking to? And so uh, the audience, uh, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll get into this more, but directly who he's speaking to, there's, there's two groups of people. There's the sheep, or the Jews, uh, the people of Israel, and then there's also the Pharisees, which are the shepherds. And so he's addressing both groups of people at the same time through this analogy. There's also us that he's speaking to. So many thousands of years in the future, Jesus knows we're going to be reading these words, and they're for us as much as they are for them. So as we go through this, some of the metaphors and and comparisons that Jesus draws have meaning uh, because those are all the people he's speaking to. And so if he was only speaking to one group, he would choose different ways of speaking. And, and, and so we'll get into that. All right. So let's begin with John 32 through 34. So this is the blind man. So the summary of chapter 9 is there's a man who was born blind. He could never see. And Jesus uh, opens his eyes by doing a miracle on the Sabbath. And the Pharisees didn't like that for a variety of reasons. And so then the Pharisees call this man forward to explain what happened, uh, which is less of a trying to understand and more of a legal debate, and they already know what the answer is, and they're just trying to pin him. So at the end of it, he kind of gets frustrated, even though they're the the judge and the jury for him. He says, uh, the man who is now seeing, Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind if this man were not from God, he's referring to the person who opened his eyes, because he's never seen Jesus, by the way. He just heard his voice. So this, this man has not seen Jesus. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They, being the Pharisees and the teachers, they answered him, you were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. So something to note here is they don't disagree with what he said. So they don't say, no, that's not right. No, no, he's speaking truth. They just don't like it. So what they say is, you were born in utter sin. Like, well, that doesn't make that not true. So it's not totally relevant. They're just upset. And they cast him out. So they cast him out of the synagogue. So this is happening at a synagogue. This is not uh, happening at the temple directly, we don't think. Um, and and so, so they cast him out. And so he's now, he can't go to, he's been, and and this is in in Jerusalem. So uh, there's, like, he is cast out. Like, there's his, and it's mostly Jews, so he doesn't have his family. He can't, like, they cast him out. Okay, so next uh, slide. So John 35 through 38. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, "'Do you believe in the Son of Man?' And you're like, well, well, didn't he already see this guy? No, this is, he sees Jesus for the first time here and does not know that it's Jesus. Um, I'm sure he starts to recognize his voice though. Do you believe in the son of man? The blind man, he answers, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, you have seen him and it is he who is speaking to you. The man says, he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. And so, Uh, why I have this picture up here and, and we'll see in the next part is Jesus is doing exactly what he describes in the next section. So Jesus brought this man to sight and he was cast out for it. And so he went, he found him. So Jesus searched for this man and he found him just like a shepherd with his sheep. And not only did he find him, he restored him. So now the man doesn't just have his sight, he has eternal life. Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. So keep this in mind. So, so, so the Jesus. So we want to understand who Jesus is, and we want to understand that Jesus is describing himself, and and it's not um, without like he's immediately describing himself, like what he is doing now. He is going to talk about. Okay, so the next slide. So this is a picture of Pharisees. Um, I don't know if they. Fully dressed like that. I didn't have enough time to, to go and, and see how accurate this picture is. But it gives you an idea. Um, so John 39. So, and he worshipped him. So Jesus was talking to this man. And so now the guy starts worshipping him. So if someone starts worshipping someone else in a public area, it kind of draws a crowd. Uh, especially if you're in a, a Jerusalem area where everything at this time is, has religious and political overtones. And now there's somebody worshiping somebody else. And everybody knows this man because they've seen him for decades completely blind. So he's sort of a, a big deal. Um, and so they see him worshiping. So, so now Jesus knows that this is happening. And he, and he says, Jesus says, For judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. So he's now no longer directly talking towards the man. He's found the man, and, and so he says, for judgment. And so we, clearly, the, those who do not see may see. Like, great. Like, we know that. Like, the man just is now, he's been healed from his blindness. Makes sense. Well, what about the next part? And those who see may become blind. That's a difficult passage. Why would Jesus make people blind? Why would... So we'll, we'll, we'll consider that. But one way to understand that is that when Jesus says, those who see... He's referring to people who think they see. And so will often describe people as those who see. And, and you'll see, and we'll hear right now, that the, the Pharisees recognize that he's talking about them, those who see. Uh, another sense of that phrase is that because Jesus is who he says he is, people get so stuck against him that they're no longer able to see. So people who understand the law clearly are, and we'll, at the end of the next section, we'll, we'll see they have no idea who Jesus is. And so they should see, but now they are blind. So some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? So they were, they were listening. And they're, they're like, well, we can see. What, are we blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. All right, so... Um, As we progress through this story, the other thing to keep in mind is Jesus is now speaking to his sheep within the Pharisees and the Jews. So going forward, what that Jesus has done for this blind man and pursuing him and calling him out, he now continues to do with all of those listening to him. So he's not condemning these people, he is calling them. He is speaking his voice to his people and they are responding Okay, we see your guilt remains. Next slide. So here's, uh, so how, how would he respond? Well, he chose to talk about sheep. Um, I don't know how they responded to this, like whether this was like, oh yeah, I guess they're talking about it, but, but this is what he says. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. I mean, may, maybe this doesn't resonate with you. Maybe you don't use a lot of sheep metaphors um, in your day-to-day life. Uh, so maybe that kind of makes sense. But we'll see why, why they should absolutely understand what he's saying. Um, so we're going to go to the next slide, and then we're going to come back. Um, so this is a sheepfold. Uh, it's maybe not what you had in mind, but a sheepfold is an open-air enclosure. So there's a bunch of sheepfolds here. Um, and it's uh, rocks around a single entrance. At night, shepherds would lead their sheep into the sheepfold, and that's where the sheep would be protected against predators and just wandering off um, over the night. Um, There's a variety of sheepfolds. Some sheepfolds were in caves, but the idea is there's a place to lead sheep in and that they would be safe and protected and they would be let out. So when you're thinking about sheepfold, this is what he's talking about. Uh, Sometimes sheepfolds would be for one flock, and sometimes sheepfolds would be for many flocks, and so many shepherds may bring their flocks into a large sheepfold that could be manned by a gatekeeper, uh, and then the gatekeeper would open to the gate. Uh, and then there are smaller sheepfolds where the shepherd himself would lie down in the opening overnight. And so Jesus talks about both of these in the in the analogy. And so the first section. Um, so if we can go back, so this he talks about uh, generally referencing a larger sheepfold. And then in the next section, sometimes it's a smaller sheepfold. Um, so uh, so he starts off with, uh, does not enter the sheepfold, but climbs in another way. So anyone who jumps over the wall of the sheepfold isn't the shepherd. So right away, the sheepfold is not meant to be an illustration of heaven. So there are other places where Jesus says that he is the way, he's the gate. Um, In this case, the sheepfold is not paradise or eternity. It's a place of protection for the sheep. But what what we shouldn't be confused is, well, how else does people get into heaven? Well, that's not what they're talking about here. So what's likely is Jesus is referring to the Pharisees and scribes and teachers who are trying to preach about the, um, the message without going through Jesus first. They're leading people astray. They are a thief and a robber. So he enters by the door, is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. So there's a difference between how uh, shepherding is done maybe in Western cultures versus uh, the Middle East. or in, So we don't, they don't use sheepdogs. They don't drive the sheep. Um, they lead the sheep. And so if your picture of like herding sheep, that's not how sheep were taken care of in this culture. The shepherd would call to his sheep and they would follow. So that's slightly different. And so not only would he have a call for them, but this shepherd knows them by name. And so uh, there's a difference between saying, hey, sheep, everybody come here. Or like, we all need to follow Jesus versus like, Jesus is calling you, Si. Jesus is calling you, Tejas. Jesus is calling you, David. By calling by name, Jesus is making a personal connection, and we saw him demonstrate that with the man who was born blind. He found one of his sheep and called them. So also Jesus here is doing something pretty neat. He is speaking to all the people who already believe in him. So there are many people who are following him. There are people who have come to him by night, and... He says that they would not follow a stranger. So in his voice, he's making a defense that, do you see what's happening? People are following me. And be, they will flee from the people who are strangers. Okay, so, so now we need to get into verse 6. Why is it that it would be so preposterous that he didn't understand what he was saying? So if we can go two slides forward. So this is Ezekiel 34. And I picked one passage, but there are many. So Ezekiel 34, through 24, this is um, uh, the prophet Ezekiel written um, hundreds of years before Jesus was around. So God is saying, this is God speaking, I will rescue my flock. They shall no longer be a prey. And I will judge between sheep and sheep. And I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord. I have spoken. So there are many such references to God establishing a shepherd. And uh, David, my servant David, so Jesus is in the lineage of David. David was the great shepherd. There is no excuse for them not understanding what Jesus is saying. He is directly claiming to be the shepherd that that God sets up. So when people say, well, speak clearly, tell us who you are, they're clearly not asking for him to tell them who he is. They're asking for them to give him a reason to stone them or to attack him. They, don't, they know who Jesus is. He is very clear. And so either that's the case or they are completely blind, just as Jesus said. The Pharisees have studied the book. They've memorized large chunks of, of the Bible. They should recognize this immediately. And so either they recognize it and put it to the side because they don't want to see it because they are now blind, Um, or uh, they just don't want to hear it. So so is this tracking with you that everyone, all the Pharisees should have known who Jesus is claiming to be? Got that? Okay. So they don't get it. So next, next slide. So but Jesus doesn't just write them off. He's still calling his sheep among them. So this is a large group of people. There are people who are going to follow Jesus, and it is up to him to speak to them and call them out. Jesus calls each of us. So Jesus says to him, "'Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture.'" The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So, Jesus is making a claim to be the only way sheep can go in and out. Well, well, what about all the Old Testament? They didn't know about Jesus. Well, they pointed forward towards Jesus. Everyone looked forward in faith to the Messiah. So, they were going in through the door. um, Moses, uh, Noah, Abraham, they all looked forward in faith, and Hebrews 11 talks about the faith, they look forward, and through Jesus, through the Messiah that they did not know or name, were, we're drawing people towards God. So who's he calling out with the thieves and robbers that, that people didn't listen to? Well, he's calling out the Pharisees and other teachers who are proclaiming the rules of men and not the commandments of God. So if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Well, if, if the sheepfold was heaven, you wouldn't go in and out of heaven, right? Um, so he's talking about, so if you enter by me, they will be saved and you'll go in and out and find pasture. So going in and out of the sheepfold through Jesus um, is what he's calling us to. So remember at the beginning, we, he's talking to both the, the Jews, the, all the people, and also the, the Pharisees, the teachers, so anyone here is an ambiguous word, and it could refer to either the sheep or the shepherds. So Jesus is saying he's the door for shepherds to go in and out. Later on, he's also the shepherd. So these are both aspects that could be one in the same if he is actually lying in the door. Or, and so. But either way, we have to go through the door. And so if you're a shepherd, you still need to go in the door. Um, sheep don't have any option but to go in the door, right? Sheep generally don't jump over the walls. They could be taken out of the walls. Um, But sheep may not go in. And so, so this message is resonating with both people. So what was the purpose of Jesus coming? So the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, and I came that may have life and have it to the full. So what we're hearing from the Bible is abundant life. And so Jesus is calling you and directing you towards abundant life all the other messages that don't acknowledge Jesus, all the other people who proclaim truth without proclaiming Jesus, they are coming to steal and kill and destroy. And so we have to be very careful about understanding this because it doesn't mean that they're intending to, but if you do not acknowledge Jesus, and this is the defining characteristic uh, of all religions, um, so it's who is Jesus, and you would... Very quickly understand whether or not you're acknowledging. Because acknowledging Jesus and entering through the door is what leads to abundant life. And then, so Jesus... So, so <clears throat> I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay my life down for my sheep. So Jesus is not only saying He is giving them a good life, has come to give them life, and abundant life. He is explaining that He is doing that. So we saw with the blind man, He He draw, drew him out. And we know uh, where Jesus goes on the cross and dies for our sins, that this is played out. He does lay down his life for the sheep. And he doesn't just throw his life away because if the shepherd was killed, then the sheep would be scattered. No, Jesus has a plan here. He lays his life down for the sheep. Um, And it says, and this this is also an amazing statement, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I know my own and my own know me. So the relationship between Jesus and God with that unity, that oneness, that's how our relationship with Jesus should be. That's what he's calling us to. And he's calling, and so he's speaking all of this to the people who don't believe in him, who are criticizing him. This isn't to prove that he's right. He is calling his sheep out of the fold. Um. And then there's a contrast set up between a shepherd who is a hired hand and a shepherd who owns the sheep. And Jesus is the good shepherd because he lays his life down for his sheep. All right, then we have the next passage. So this is where Jesus starts turning it broadly outwards. So I have other sheep that are not of this fold. Um. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. We understand verse 16 to be talking about us. So people who weren't of the Jewish nation, there are there are other sheep not of this fold, and he must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So we listen to his voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. So across time, across geographies, there is one church of God, and there is one shepherd over all of us. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay my life down that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Um, This is probably the most theologically dense passage in here, because it talks about so much. So Jesus is claiming power over death and over life. Uh, He's talking about how he has not acting of his own accord, but is in complete submission to God. And... It points that the purpose of his death on the cross is the resurrection. They're not disjoint activities. It's not a response. And no one takes his life from him. He wasn't killed, he chose to lay his life down. And so in all areas, Jesus is acting with intentionality and power, and this is before any of it happens, He talks about it and tells us about it so that we know his message is true. His message is true. Do we have any questions? As we're going along, just, are you tracking with this? Like, there's a lot, a lot of moving pieces. Okay, so, so finally, we get back to the, um, the Pharisees. So there was again division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? And so clearly we see that people are responding to the call of Jesus in this audience. Some people are actually connecting the dots and realizing, no, like, demons wouldn't do this. Um, And that's probably very difficult for them to do because there's such uh, uh, a disdain for Jesus that for them to speak up and say this means they have a lot of conviction here. So earlier, Jesus said that uh, whoever I am the only way into the gate of life. Um, so why does he have to say that? So if, if there's some sheep that aren't going to be called out, why is he talking about that? Wh- who is that directed to? And I would say that that's directed to the people who are following Jesus, who are wondering why their leaders, the Pharisees, are not. Um, And and so if you were at this time and the church leaders who you'd listened to your whole life are just rejecting Jesus, well, that would be a concern. Like, why aren't my teachers following him? And so Jesus speaks to that earlier where he says, I'm going to call my own sheep. And so I think those passages about talking about the sheep who aren't called are, he's again speaking to his own flock, the people who follow him, and explaining why their teachers aren't following them. Um, so then, so, so this is how it wraps up, so not everyone believes, so this is the next section, and so this is after the, the, the Feast of Dedication, so he comes back, this is a month later, three months later, a couple weeks later, but it's separated in time, and I put this up here to know he more clearly states for us what the purpose is, he says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. So if it wasn't abundantly clear to everyone before, this makes it abundantly clear that Jesus is claiming to be God. More than that, he says that no one can snatch those who follow him out of his hand. So as we're following Jesus, we cannot be taken away from him by the power of man. And that is an extremely comforting thought that we realize that this isn't about anybody doing anything. This is about Jesus collecting his sheep. And so that's why at the beginning I talked about this story is about Jesus. This isn't about us. This isn't about um, the Pharisees. This is about who God is and what he's doing. And as we respond to the voice, we, we are comforted to know that Jesus is pursuing each of us and will bring us fully, safely to eternal life. So I'd like to leave. Um, so the next slide is the last um, slide. And uh, in John 14, 6, there's another I am. So Jesus has said in in this passage today, he says, I am the door to the sheepfold. And then he also says, I am the good shepherd. And finally, in John 14, 6, he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so if you believe Jesus is who he says he is, and throughout he's demonstrating in his life, And in his ministry and after his ministry, the sheep follow him. All of the apostles followed Jesus. Across thousands of years, people have followed Jesus. So if you believe Jesus is who he says he is, there is only one option for eternal life. And that is Jesus. He claims, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so if we seek um, the the pastures and the abundant life, there is only one option we are getting at. And it's not by combining a couple of things or or believing different ideas. It's only through Jesus that we are able to access that. And that's a hard message to hear, but it's very important for us to believe. So I'm going to pray for us. uh, And then we can have the band come up.